Lord, we thank you for the gift of your word to us. We thank you for the gift of your word present in your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you for speaking through it to us and to many through all generations, from then until now and into the future. So speak your word to us this morning. Help us to hear with open ears and open hearts from you this morning. Amen. 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 We've heard a bit about Immerse already at the beginning, and then we heard a lot more from Diane and from Claire. We're going to uh, watch a video. Hopefully it's up on the screen. It's just a short video talking a little bit about the history of Immerse and what it is. chapter numbers, verse numbers, but also footnotes, cross-references. We keep adding things to the Bible that have made it a difficult book to simply read. Not surprisingly, we're increasingly reading the Bible in bits and pieces, oftentimes reading them out of context. So we're not getting historical and cultural and even literary context. We don't see songs and stories, proverbs, prophecy, all these different kinds of writing in the Bible are lost on us because we see two columns on the page and it all looks the same. At the same time that the Bible was being turned into a reference book in form, it was close to the time historically when the printing press was made. So for the first time, people started getting their own individual copies of the Bible. So increasingly, people started reading alone. Rather than in community settings, which really characterized the earlier life of God's people with the Bible. Landmark study, 80,000 people who were queried about their faith and about church. 87% said, help me understand the Bible in depth. When they were asked if their church was indeed doing that, only 19% responded positively. We, we began going out and talking to hundreds of scholars, Christian thought leaders, pastors. And so we began to collect wisdom from, from those people. And uh, what developed out of that was this paradigm-shifting uh, new approach to the Bible, which we're now calling Immerse. Chapter numbers, verse numbers, footnotes, cross-references, all that stuff that we've been piling into the Bible. We took it out. We have a nice, clean, single-column text. We looked at the book order. We said that's not always the way the Bible has been. So we put Luke and Acts back together again. We reordered books like Prophets and Paul's Letters into a more historical order. Not just one big, huge, heavy book, but rather six readable volumes in the natural divisions of the Bible. So people just have, in every way, a book in front of them that invites them to deep, good Bible reading and engagement. And so we're inviting people to have an eight-week experience with a major section 
of the Bible. The reading plan is designed for people to read about 10 pages a day, five days a week. And in eight weeks, you will have read the entire New Testament or a major section. We have moved away from a Bible study model and switched over to a book club model. People are invited not to be experts in the Bible, but to simply converse about what they've read. And, you know, when people begin to love something, you know, all of the dynamics change. This is proving to be a game changer and a very different way to engage Scripture. So there are six volumes in Immerse. So that video tells us a wee bit about what the history behind Immerse is. I couldn't believe it when it said, you know, the average household has 11 Bibles. And I think if I sat down and probably counted all the Bibles that are in my study, there's probably about 15 because I'm really holy. But, you know, we do tend to collect a lot of Bibles, don't we? And if you have more than one person living in your house, you get even more. But it really came out of this desire to see and to have more people reading the words And you'll have heard Diane and Claire talk a lot about the community side of reading the Bible here. And I know our group really enjoyed all the crack, all the all the carry on, all the the really deep chats about what we were reading and what it had to say to us. We wanted to live this word, to read it and have it speak to us. We wanted to read and live and share the word. What is this word? that we talk about so often. What is this word of God or who is this word of God? We believe that word of God is Christ, Jesus Christ, God's whole written story, not just this passage or this book, Messiah, but the whole sweep of the Bible is about Jesus Christ. The written word tells the story of Christ. We know that Christ was there in the beginning, as John chapter 1 tells us. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Jesus Christ, the living word, who is alive and active in our world, as as Andrew read for us from uh, Hebrews chapter 4. And at the very beginning of our service, we talked about what this scripture was to each and every one of us. And as I was reading the words uh, at the beginning of the service, I thought these are words that we don't often uh, like very much, is it? You know, for teaching, for reproof, for correction. We don't like to be corrected as human beings, I think, or told that we're maybe going the wrong way or doing the wrong thing. But it's there for training us in righteousness so that we would be equipped for every good work that God has set before us. And like the risen Christ, as we believe, and as the cross is out at the front of the church there as you come in, we believe the risen Christ is alive, that the word of God is alive. It doesn't sleep, it doesn't lie dormant, but it's active. It's not lazy and lying on the sofa, it's alive and at work in the world. And it's sharp. It's sharper than a two-edged sword, in fact, as Hebrew tells us, and it's ready to be wielded sharper than a two-edged sword. Have you ever read a passage of scripture or read a portion of the Bible and at that very moment, that very verse speaks to you and speaks into the very thing that you're going through at that moment? Or when a friend sends you a, a text and it's just a verse of scripture, but it's just at the right time and you know that it's just for you. Or you're hearing a sermon And 
you hear a passage preached and you think that word was just for me right at that point. Or when you listen to UCB in the car, or the radio in the car, you do your UCB, and we're not plugging UCB radio and, and UCB uh, notes and all this kind of stuff. We're not, we're not doing that intentionally. But when you're listening to the radio or you're reading from God's word, it's just for you, just at the right time. And that's because this word of God, this two-edged sword is incisive. It speaks directly to us. It cuts through. It cuts through into our lives and cuts through and speaks to all the situations of life. The lives and the stories of people told in the Bible have something to speak to us. Has anybody got a favorite character in the Bible, a favorite, a favorite person in the Bible? You can just know it. I'm not asking you to tell me. But everybody has maybe somebody that they read about that they think their life speaks just to me. That is what the word of God is there for. It's like you're cutting into an apple. Uh, you're slicing it, okay? And you're cutting it away. You're going to cut away the brown bits, aren't you? You're going to cut away the brown bits and the rotten bits because you're not going to eat that, okay? You cut out and you keep the good fleshy bits. A knife in your hand dissects away the bad bits that need to be cut away. And in the same way, God's word is there to instruct us, to correct us, to help us cut away the things that aren't supposed to be there. The brown bits, the rotten bits, to separate it away from the good fleshy parts of our lives. Scripture tells us that in reading God's words, we are reading the very words of God. The very words of God spoken to the prophets, spoken through the apostles, spoken in the words of Christ himself. It's the very words of God. And it's there to edify us. No, that means to build us up as individuals and as the church. That's why we gather on a Sunday morning. That's why we worship together. That's why we hear the Bible read together. That's why we pray. That's why we hear the word preached. It's meant to be there to build us up. It's there to challenge us, to prune us. It's there to change us. It's there to even correct us. Because even in his loving goodness, Jesus corrects us, turns us in whatever direction we need to go. He lovingly and even very pointedly, we we hear the pointed words of Christ, don't we, to to Peter, whenever Peter says to him, uh, you know, says to him, and, and and the Lord says, Turn back from me, Satan. Turn away from me, Satan. Or when he tells him off for cutting off the soldier's ear, he is speaking words that are there to correct, to challenge. But it's from his loving goodness. So the word of God is incisive and the word of God pierces. The word of God goes beyond the surface. It goes past the facade. You know, looking at each of your faces... I don't know what you're thinking. You could be thinking, I wish she would stop talking so I could go home or I could get some coffee after the end of the service. I have no idea what you're thinking sitting there listening to me. But God does. But God knows what goes on beyond the surface. He pierces beyond the surface. And he longs to speak to each one of us. Speaking his living word to us. Beneath the surface. Beneath the surface speaking that which we need to hear. Jesus Christ, who is the word of God, pierces 
the outer and goes into the inner. That two-edged sword that he uses can cut and separate and refine, but it's making sure that the bad stuff is cut away. If we go back to our picture, or we go back to our picture of our apple, we cut through the bright red skin and we reveal the white flesh beneath. I love a pink lady apple. It's my favorite. It's the most expensive, which is ridiculous. But we like to go beyond the fleshy, beyond the skin and into the inside. Or like we're opening a Christmas present, um, you know, we have to unwrap it first to see what's uh, uh, underneath. Sometimes when it comes to fruit and presents, we need to unwrap. But we either get, when we unwrap it or we cut it open, we get a good surprise or we get a bad surprise. You might get, you know, the the dreaded socks on Christmas morning. You might cut your, your piece of fruit open and discover that it's rotten underneath. But scripture is there to pierce, to incise, incise, to cut away, to pierce. It's there to pierce the outward appearance and go to reveal what lies beneath. And as Andrew read for us, this two-edged sword cuts, and it uses this very kind of uh, direct imagery, doesn't it? It says it cuts joint and marrow, okay? It dissects soul and spirit. It makes a division between the inward and the outward, from the appearance on the outside to the reality of what's on the inside. There's an outer and an inside, an outer and an inner to all of us, isn't there? What's the most common response to, how you doing? Fine. I'm fine. Oh, I'm grand. Not too bad at all. That's a real Northern Irish. So what does that even mean? Not too bad at all. I'm fine. My friend says, do you know what fine stands for? Freaked out, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. I'm fine. How many times do we answer that when somebody asks us how we are? We don't tell the truth, do we? We don't want to lay open before us, uh, before other people, what's really going on. We don't want to share that reality. But Romans 1 tells us that we can't suppress the truth of what's going on with inside, inside us. We have to reveal the truth in righteousness before the Lord. Open it before the Lord, who knows all anyway, who knows what goes on beneath the surface anyway. It's a beautiful passage in First Samuel where Jesse uh, is there with all his sons, all the good-looking ones, they're tall, and it's the little short one that's probably, you know, stinking from being out in the fields, looking after sheep, and he is the one who's anointed as king. Because God does not look at what people look at. God looks at what goes on inside. God looks at the heart. So Hebrews tells us that the the true living word of the living God is alive and active. And it's a two-edged sword. We hear about this two-edged sword later on in scripture. And if you've been reading Revelation with Immerse, You might have read this in in Revelation chapter 1, verse 16, where John sees the Lord Jesus and in his right hand, he, he held seven stars and coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword. 
It's a double-edged sword, a two-edged sword, and it's coming out of his mouth. Surely it should be in his hand, ready to be wielded, rather than coming out of his mouth. But if we look at this Greek word, and I'm going to give you a full Greek uh, lesson, I lasted about three weeks in Greek in college, um, because I can just about speak English. But if we look at this um, word, whatever it means, it means double-mouthed, two-mouthed, two-edged, a two-mouthed sword, dystismos. Distismos. I even googled it to see how to pronounce it, and I failed. Distismos, two-mouthed, a two-mouthed sword. <coughs> a two-edged sword can cut either way. It's a very effective uh, weapon in battle. A two-mouthed sword is a very effective way of sharing the word of God, isn't it? Two-mouthed, and that it's spoken by God to us. From his mouth, through his voice, through the words of Jesus Christ. And it's meant to be spoken out of our mouths. A two-mouthed sword. The word of God as we read it is the voice of God spoken from his mouth. We want to speak it out into the lives of others. Because it's a two-mouthed sword. It's meant to be shared. That word that is life the way, the truth, and the life in Jesus Christ. When the Samaritan woman met Jesus at the well, and as she tells other people, he told me everything I'd ever done. What did she do after she heard this from Jesus Christ? She ran into the town to tell people what had happened. She heard the words. She experienced the living words. She came to life, and she went and she shared that life with other people. Matthew chapter 4 tells us that man shall not live by bread alone. People can't live by bread alone. But true bread and true life is found in Jesus Christ. I heard a beautiful, um, a, a beautiful uh, quote that says this, and it should be on the screen, that evangelism is as simple as this. Sharing the word of God is as simple as this. It's just one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. True bread, true life, found in Jesus Christ, who is the Word of God. The Word of God spoken by His Spirit, the Word of God written here for us, presented in this way. I'm not telling you that immerse is the only only way to read the Bible, folks. It's not. We have in this 21st century so many ways to get the Word of God spoken into our life to get our stomachs filled with that bread of life. But it's just one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. We want to fill our stomachs with this bread of life and then share the bread with others. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the gift of your words, for that living bread that truly satisfies that bread that fills us so that we will never hunger again. Lord, speak to us in your two-edged sword, your word, Lord, that is spoken from your mouth and spoken then from our mouths. So come upon us now, Lord, as we worship, as we bring our time together to a close, we pray, speak to us those words of life, 
those words of hope.